All right. Hi there and welcome to Counselor's first ever State of the Industry podcast. I'm Dave Vagnoni, joined by Nate Kuzma, ASI's Director of Research. Nate, what's happening? Dave, it's a beautiful Thursday. It is. It's a great day to be here. And we've got some good data to uh, to show people, to tell people about. Uh, you know, I think there were a lot of um, interesting trends this year. I think the data is pretty intriguing. Give me, you know, a couple headlines in your mind. Yeah, you know, it's kind of fun this year. We've had this study going on now for well over a decade. And for the first time this year, we actually added in some new questions so that we could really gauge what's going on with distributors and their overall business, not only, you know, focusing on the promotional products and what markets they're selling into, what products they're selling, which is always interesting, obviously. We still measure that. Mm -hmm. But also what else? One, you know, one of the more interesting findings that I had here from this year's that we've never asked before was looking at the impact of ancillary business lines. Mm -hmm. So not just the sale of promotional products. We always obviously focus on that. But we also determined whether or not they're selling printing. You know, we've heard that a lot. I hear that at my focus groups that I do at the shows, and I hear it anecdotally through our magazines. You know, how important is printing to our distributors? And what you found out was it's really important. Yeah. Those that are offering it, they get 30% of their business revenues from the printing side of their business. Now, obviously, is there some crossover between printing and promotional products? Sure. Mm -hmm. But that's a really significant impact. Yeah, if you're looking to expand your business and you're not in print right now, I think print is definitely a way to go uh, going forward. Uh, so print, a topic that uh, you know we cover pretty heavily in the magazine. Margins is something sure. else that really stood out to me. You know, you and I have talked about this, that there, you know, there's sort of whispers in the marketplace that all this margin pressure and margins are going down. You know, here comes Amazon. All the e-commerce companies are going to gobble everybody up, and yet margins are 35%. Well, my, my God, I think there's more than whispers. I hear that okay. every time you get I hit talk over the head to somebody. With a right. if, I, if I'm talking about anything about the business environment to any of our members in, in any of my research, I hear that time and time and again. Yet when we actually look at this, when we measure quantitatively across the entire industry, we're not seeing that. In fact, over the last 10 years, margins have maintained between about 32% and 35% for promotional products, and that's right where they are now. So the perception is certainly there that prices are being driven down. Yeah. And obviously for printing, you will have very often lower margins sure. than you will have promo for promotional products. But for promo right now, I, you know, the numbers aren't backing up the noise yeah. that I'm hearing in the marketplace. Yeah, so print is strong. Margins are strong. Industry health People yeah. seem to think that the industry is trending up. Is that fair? Yeah, that's absolutely fair. I mean, the, overall, the industry for the last couple of years have, has tended to be optimistic, but be what I would consider to be cautiously optimistic. Mm -hmm. You know, it always started out that, oh, yeah, I'm very, I'm very optimistic for this year's sales. And then as the year went along, people got a little bit more pessimistic. This year, it's actually a higher number than I've seen in a long time. Yeah. So I, I do think that the market and what people are experiencing in the business climate right now it is indeed, it's, it's very positive. Sure. Let's go and talk about uh, markets and products. Sure. You know, a couple categories that people are always interested in. Uh, when you look at markets, education, you know, clearly number one. Healthcare yeah. has been trending down, but it's still yeah. number two. But uh, a couple markets that stood out to us, retail is one. Sure. Tell us about that. Yeah, retail is an interesting market because one of the things that I've been looking at over the, over the fairly recent uh, timeline here is for promotional products. We always think about promo products as being given away. Mm -hmm. right? I'm going to give away this. I'm going to give it away to promote my business. And what we're actually seeing is promotional products that are actually being created and then sold yeah. to potential customers and future customers. They're now advertising 
and purchasing it. They're not mm -hmm. giving it away. They're actually saying, buy my advertising, and yeah. that, that's great. And we're seeing that with the retail marketplace now. Where that's up significantly in 2017 from 2016. And I'll be very surprised if that doesn't continue on that trajectory as that you know, behavior becomes more the norm. Sure, other markets that were up, financial comes to mind, right? Manufacturing yeah. was in there. And if you think about that, those are two of the industries that you know, we have seen growth. You know, the, yeah. the financial industry going back, you know, eight years ago was under incredible incredible pressure. Yeah. And now especially, you've had a lot of regulations that have been loosened in the financial industry, so you might see that going. And manufacturing is improving in America. It yeah. is. So as that economy, as those, you know, two economies really started seeing increased sales and maybe increased profitability, well, one thing that always follows that is increased spend on marketing. Yeah. Guess what? You know, when we when we when we advert when we do marketing research with end buyers in these industries, right. they do a lot of their advertising through promo. Sure. No reason to think that that won't continue. Yeah, you know, we mentioned education being number one. Nonprofits had a big jump, and the mm -hmm. it seems like the smaller businesses really make their hay with nonprofits and with education. Yeah, I right? mean, you, well, you know, obviously, when you think about, you have big national nonprofits. You know, you have, you know, the American Red Cross. You know, you have these national organizations. But my God, a lot of nonprofits are very small. They're very local, yeah. and they're not big enough necessarily for the largest distributorships to really pay attention to. They're not going to do a $500 t-shirt order. They're mm -hmm. not going to do little giveaways here or there. But the smaller guys do, and that's really where I think a lot of them make their bread and butter on yeah. these small nonprofit association type businesses that, that have repeat orders year after year, quarter after quarter, month after month. Sure. Speaking of t-shirts, mm -hmm. t-shirts number one when it comes to products. Have been, yeah. have been and probably will continue to be. And you know, what we find out with t-shirts is that if, as long as education mm -hmm. is number one, yeah. I think you're going to see t-shirts in that position as well. Sure. That sort of pole position because t-shirts are a very big giveaway. And I think also are one of those items that may also be sold as well. Yeah to the education market. So apparel is doing really well. Uh, you know, writing instruments, I, I look at writing instruments every year and I see the, the trend line going down, down, mm -hmm. that caught your eye as well. Yeah, people are still selling writing sure. instruments. I don't want to make it seem like it's an insignificant but part But from of the where business. it was. Oh, well, no, sh from where it yeah. was going back in the day. But I mean, a lot of things have taken their place. I mean, if you think about the, just the emergence of, you know, any type of reasonably priced tech accessories, yeah. which never used to be. It used to be a nice pen. Now you get a USB right. drive. Now you get a mobile power bank. Those types of, you know, more desk desk accessories that people can sell. So writing instruments are still an important part of the business. I mean, it's still, you know, well over a billion dollars a year in sales. Right. But you're seeing prices come down for the products. They're becoming, they're probably one of the more, what I would say, commoditized items. Yeah. Not saying that they should be. I'm just saying that's how the market's probably viewing them. Yeah, yeah we did videos recently, you and I, and I talked about, I think, you know, pen sales might have hit a floor as far as, you know, market share percentage. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to start trending up as we're seeing different styles. So that, that could be, this could be the year where they finally bottom out. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about threats. A and sure. I mentioned Amazon earlier. Uh, it's sort of the elephant in the room. You know, people, I think, are rightly concerned or watching what Amazon's doing. Uh, you know, Walmart promo shop to a lesser extent. What are people saying about Amazon in particular? Um, well, to your point earlier about Walmart and promo shop, definitely to a lesser extent. Yeah. What you find out about Amazon is that they're seen as a bigger threat by the bigger companies. I'm not so sure that the, you know, the smaller distributorships are going to see them necessarily as big of a threat. Yeah. They are much more concerned with the 
with other e-commerce companies right. coming out there because they're they they're under the impression that their customers only shop on price and that's it. Yeah. But for the for Amazon's the biggest distributorships, they're the ones who are definitely most concerned with it because that's who their comp that's who they're saying is their competition. Them and other big distributorships in their area, yeah. they're not so concerned with the price cutters. They're not so concerned that somebody's going to to take a one hundred thousand dollar order away from them to right. save one or two percent. Right. But they are concerned about Amazon just because Amazon has disrupted every single industry they've gone into. Right. And there's no reason to believe that they won't disrupt this one as well. Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, I think companies need to be aware of that and, and can't just uh, wait for that to happen. No, I but you've got to be proactive and, and, and take, a, take, a, take an approach, take a stand yep. one way or other, either go e-commerce or make your business all about programs. And I, I think another thing is try to come up with a way to use Amazon to your benefit. Mm -hmm. It's not impossible. There's a lot of companies out there that make a lot of money selling through Amazon. Sure. Is there a way that that our that some of our members could look into doing that? Yeah. You have to think big, but can it be done? It's happening already. I mean, listen, there are sub distributors and there are some suppliers, you know, uh, through sellers that you know you could just Google names of top forty companies on Amazon under the search bar, and they're coming up. Right. So I think you know some companies are starting to realize that that's a way uh, to make some money. Um, all right, so as I look at the numbers, I see a growing gap in disparity. And you could tell me from if you, if you see this as well, between the larger distributorships and their smaller competitors. It seems like the larger companies are offering more services, their policies, their procedures are more sophisticated than what they're offering their employees. Am I right there in seeing a gap, and is that growing? Oh, you're, you're certainly right. As far as whether or not it's growing, I, I mean, I, I would anticipate it's, it's certainly going to be. That doesn't mean it has to. Okay. But what we see is this is the first year we've really looked at the largest distributorships mm -hmm. on their own. Five million plus, right? Yeah, we've always sort of capped the large distributorships at one million or more. And what we've, you know, what we've talked about is, is there really a difference between the ones that are selling a million dollars, which is a very successful company, mm -hmm. and those that are five million? And what the answer to that is, yeah, there is. Yeah. In, in many different ways, that's the case. The ones that get over five million, you know, they're much more likely to be operating as what I would consider, you know, very, very sophisticated corporate entities. Mm -hmm. They're going to have data security policies out there. They're going to have personal conduct policies. They're going to be seeing different types of threats out there than t companies that are smaller. Yeah. You know, those guys that are over 5 million, they're not, they're, they're number one chief competitor mm -hmm. are other large distributorships. Yeah, in their area. That's, yeah. that's what they're concerned about. They're concerned with who is going to, you know, come in and knock knock on their door and provide them better service or better services? Yeah. That's what they're concerned with. They're not concerned with as much compared to the lower to the smaller companies with price cutting. How big of an issue is it that um you know, these smaller companies aren't offering health insurance, aren't surveying their customers. I mean, it, I think these are issues. Like, I think you need, if you want to get the best talent, you have to offer good benefits. And if you sure. want to learn what your customers want, you have to ask them. The surveying is somewhat mind-boggling to me. I mean, obviously, yeah. I'm a little bit biased in this respect. Sure. But it's one of these areas where when you talk to salespeople and you talk to business owners, they believe that they are better off spending an hour of their day mm -hmm. making another 10 phone calls or five phone calls to prospects than they are learning about their current customers and trying to improve their business with them. And I, in my opinion, that's flawed. That's flawed thinking. Yeah. The, the, the little bit of time that you can spend in actually learning about your customers so that you can make informed decisions 
and drive further business with them. I think that's key. And you know, that's certainly an effort that I'm t- undertaking this year is going to be presenting at Chicago, yeah. at ASI Show Chicago, and, and, and working to put things out on social to show our members how it is they can actually conduct very, very cheap, almost free marketing research with their customers so that they can take their business to that next level. Yeah, just to follow up on that, those points a little bit, my company has a formal data security policy. Only 39% of distributors said they, they do. Uh, my company offers all full-time employees health insurance is 35% said they do. I mean, I, you know, I think those numbers have got to come up uh, if this industry is going to become a bit more sophisticated in important metrics. I mean, I mean, the data security has been in the news yeah, I mean, it's been in the news. In our industry, news. In in our yeah. industry, there's been a couple of very big news stories, which mm-hmm. I'm sure you could you you've spoken to before. Yeah, that totally. have and I mean, those are those are problems that when they happen, they can they can doom a business. Yeah, yeah. Over a weekend, over weeks, um, you know, it's not just a matter of having the right uh, you know software. I mean, there's other things that companies have to do to make sure their employees are aware of what they should not be clicking on. I mean, it, it would seem to you know it would seem to me that you know 2018 you know would be a little farther down the line, but it's something for for companies to, to consider <laughs> and work on. There's always room for improvement. There's always room for improvement. Uh, sources of new business, Nate. Yeah. Uh, referrals, far and away, uh, number one. But you know, we've talked about social media. Mm-hmm. You know, in recent years, uh, getting up there, um, companies leveraging their websites. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, cold calling continues to drop. It has. You know, what's interesting is with regards to social media, earlier we were talking about differences between the largest companies, the largest distributorships, and the smaller distributorships. And what you see with the larger ones is they identify themselves as having a well-defined social media marketing mm-hmm. strategy. They're spending the time. They recognize the value of it. You know, social media is often thought of as free, and it's easy to do. It's not easy to do. It takes time. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that people need to realize, that our members need to realize, is that doing it, implementing a successful social media marketing campaign, it takes time. You have to learn how to do it. You yeah. have to learn what works. You have to look at metrics. It can be done. Yeah. And the largest companies are doing it. And I would always, you know, if the largest companies are doing it, there's a reason for it. Sure. It does work. It's not always going to be, I'm going to put an ad out there, I'm going to get 15 leads. You're building it, and you're, you're hitting people in multiple ways with similar messages to drive home the value of your company. That's certainly another way to do it. Yeah, speaking about the sophistication of these larger companies, as I look at some of the data in front of me, so uh, sources of new business for companies with 5 million distributors, 5 million and greater in sales, 59% use referrals, 46% social networking, 28% website, even all the way down to uh, email campaigns at mm-hmm. 35%. I mean, there's a lot more diversity there where if you're looking at the smaller companies, it's basically all referrals. Right, and, and to a point, they can do that because they have, they have the extra staff on board to do that. Yeah. So I think the trick here is trying to figure out how much of this a company can actually do rather than, again, just relying on referrals. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the most fascinating things in this study was when you looked at the number of clients that a distributor had based on how much revenue they had. Mm -hmm. So if you go to the smallest distributorships, the ones that might have just been starting out, that those that have under a hundred thousand in sales, you know, they have they they have under a hundred clients and then that number goes all the way up until you get over a million. And they had about two hundred clients on average. And then what was fascinating was once you got over five million, that number of clients they had went down. Yeah. So they had fewer clients that they were servicing. And what that what that tells me is they're becoming more selective with who it is 
that they're taking on as clients. Sure. You know, because you know, a, a Five hundred dollar order very often might take the same amount of time as a five thousand dollar order, or even a fifty thousand yeah. dollar. It's not taking a lot less, not taking less time to do it. In some ways it might even take more time because you need more hand holding. So those bigger companies are maybe turning down clients yeah. to focus all of their energies on the bigger, on the, on the biggest, the, the big most fish. profitable ones. Yeah, yeah. One of the biggest mistakes companies make is they stick with unprofitable clients for too long thinking they're doing it out of loyalty and yet they're missing out i mean if you have a client that's honestly ordering a hundred dollars worth of business cards every two years yeah they probably shouldn't be your client goodbye anymore. see ya uh, all right so a wealth of information here of course you can read up more uh, and i encourage you to read up uh, in the magazine state of the industry issue uh, before uh, we end here nate going forward Mm -hmm. What are uh, respondents saying, you know, as far as, you know, the words they're using to describe, uh, you know, 2018, 2019, how are they looking ahead? Our, our industry is nothing, yet very, very optimistic for That's the future. That's good. Now, again, most people should the be. The economy's That's, good. I mean, you know, they're. The, the, economy, the economy is certainly showing a lot of signs of life. Sure. And I think that, you know, what, what, whatever, you know, safeguards and chains that might have been holding back spending right. on marketing are now going away. Yeah. And that's certainly, you know, we're showing increases in overall promotional product sales. You know, last year was up a little bit over 3%. Yeah. Right now, I would anticipate as we move through the year, we're going to see that number increase. Can't say it definitely will, but I would be shocked if it didn't. Yeah, no, I think the market's in a, in a pretty good place. I, we always get better, but I think overall the, the economy's doing better, and I think the market's in a, in a good place going forward. Certainly challenges, but also uh, opportunities. Again, lots of information in our State of the Industry issue coming out in uh, mid-July. Also encourage you to check out uh, ASICentral.com for more infographics and analysis. So lots of good information to help you grow your business. Thanks for listening. For Nate, I'm Dave. Have a great day.